0: Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is I'm the Guns Reboot Review, a podcast dedicated to indexing the adventures of DC Comics' long-running group of super future teens, the Legion of Superheroes. Now, to put it mildly, the group has gone through many changes over its almost uh, 60-year history, and there's a lot of good content out there covering most of those changes. This podcast's focus is on the adventures of the Reboot Legion, which was a version of the team who inhabited a a brand new 30th century created in the wake of DC's 1994 mega-event Zero Hour. For the first time, readers were allowed to witness the birth of the Legion in something close to real-time or real comic book time, as the team was founded, gained members, and had adventures which played out over the next 10 years or so, inhabiting the comics racks from 1994 through 2004. These adventures were told in two different monthly titles that were meant to be read together, Legion of Superheroes and Legionnaires. Each episode of Reboot Review will cover an issue of each title. In this episode's case, I'll be recapping Legion of Superheroes number 70 and Legionnaires number 27, both cover dated July 1995. Since it's been a little bit since one of these monthly issue recaps, here's the briefest of background reviews. The uh, legions dealt with several menaces to the galaxy over the last few months. Uh, This is all while their greatest adversary, the anti-alien White Triangle group, has been manipulating events behind the scenes dating way back to the legion's founding. The White Triangle has recently become bolder, even openly attacking a legionnaire, Triad, who was hospitalized. The White Triangle even has a connection to one legionnaire, their most powerful member, Andromeda, though the exact nature of that connection has yet to be fully revealed. Andromeda seems like a perfect candidate for the triangle as she suffers from extreme xenophobia and has a hard time fitting in with her interplanetary teammates. She disappeared a couple issues back, but she was last seen crashing through the roof of the legion's headquarters and she wasn't in good shape. So issue number 70 of Legion of Superheroes is a story called Beyond Belief and it's plotted by Tom's Pyre and McCraw. Dialogue is by Mark Wade. It's penciled by Jason Armstrong who's filling in for the again MIA Lee Motor. Armstrong would actually follow Motor as this title's regular penciler a couple of years down the road. Series regular Ron Boyd is the inker here which does give the art some consistency and We've got Pat Brousseau on letters, Tom McCraw on colors, and Mike McAveney and Casey Carlson edit both titles. A great Alan Davis, Mark Farmer cover this time out with an angry Andromeda holding aloft Brainiac 5 who's armed with a lab coat, a beaker, and a test tube. The cover title, Crush on You, of course refers to the implied crush Brainiac has had on Laurel and and the implied pulp that Laurel could crush Brainiac into with her with her great strength. The issue opens in Brainiac's lab as he examines Laurel, who writhes in extreme pain. Brainiac suspects lead poisoning, daxamites like Laurel are extremely susceptible to even trace amounts of lead. Laurel's only chance is for Braini to come up with some cure, first step of which would be obtaining a blood sample. Brainy uses a red sun radiation projector to weaken Laurel's invulnerable skin and gets a sample, which causes Laurel some alarm. But nowhere near the amount of alarm is when Brainiac casually reaches to touch the patient with his hand. Laurel freaks out and kicks Brainiac across the room. Brainy defensively shines the radiation projector on Laurel, weakening her, and calmly tells her that she has only hours to live and that she should try to be worth the effort of saving. At a nearby hospital, Triad is being released, having fully recovered from her beating at the hands of the White Triangle. Before she goes, she wants to check in on Saturn Girl, who is being treated for extreme mental trauma that she suffered when she reached into the mind of Legion enemy the Composite Man. Imra's mentality is now that of a child, and when she sees Lornu, bags packed, She lashes out, thinking she's being abandoned. She needs to be restrained as Triad consults her doctor, who's at a complete loss of what to do. Also packing their bags back at Legion headquarters is Kinetics, who's taking a leave of absence after losing her powers in the annual that I covered last episode. Zoe's apparently about to embark on a quest to restore her power, and she's seen off by her friend Spark excess and shrinking violet violet seems a little down and explains to zoe privately that she feels bad about her confrontation with andromeda violet recently called laurel out on her mishandling of some white triangle thugs they ran into a while back now that laurel's in critical condition violet might uh, regret their run-in a little bit zoe points out how happy spark is with her new lightning pendant which was a gift from a secret admirer and suggests Violet do something nice for Andromeda, though well, she kind of qualifies that saying she's not sure she'd waste her time on Laurel. At United Planets headquarters, Cosmic Boy, Leviathan, and Apparition are in a meeting with Ambassador Winnema Wazo, who happens to be Apparition's mother. Apparently Ambassador Wazo has volunteered to personally supervise the Legion's activity as the United Planets has expressed some concern with the dwindling membership due to injury, power loss, death, etc. Cosmic Boy resists this helicopter mom treatment and points out that any problems Winnema has with her daughter shouldn't affect the Legion's ability to make decisions for itself. Winnema erupts with anger and dismisses the Legionnaire, saying, She'll be in touch. Apparition hangs her head in shame. Back in the lab, Brainiac continues to work on a cure. And I think he's working a little slow game psychology here. He keeps pumping up the Kaluan race, to which he belongs, saying that they're the most intelligent humanoids in the universe, and Laurel's lucky to have one devoted exclusively to her problem. He says he's smart enough to stay out of trouble, obviously unlike Laurel, and uh, he wants an explanation. What got her into this mess in the first place? Laurel flashes back to her handling of the aforementioned White Triangle goons whom she let go. She assumes they were the exact goons who ended up beating Triad, which may or may not be the case. And so when she had the opportunity, she tried hunting them down. She explains that It wasn't necessarily the attack of her teammate that spurred her interaction. It was the thugs defying her orders to stay out of trouble that got her going. She finally tracks down a white triangle stronghold and manages to wrangle the entire group, but not before one of them damages her invisible trans suit, which protects her from the elements and uh, made her vulnerable to the atmospheric lead. She explains to Brainy that the White Triangle started as a Daxamite faction of racial purity nuts. It's gone on to fund branches all over the galaxy and is now devoted to the destruction of the United Planets. Brainy asks her point-blank whether she hates other races, and Laurel weakly claims it's not hate, it's love of her own kind. Brainy scoffs, that uh, That's just the sort of short-sighted perspective you'd expect from a Daxamite. And just then, Brainy's research leads him to the uh, lead serum breakthrough of his distant ancestor, Vril Dox, who'd created a similar cure for a uh, big coincidence here, Laurel's distant ancestor, Largand, the mythic hero Valor. I just wanted to take a moment here to talk a little bit about uh, Vril Dox. This version of Brainiac 5 the reboot version, is uh, its my favorite iteration of the character. In fact, he's my favorite legionnaire of all time. For some reason, I love the, the snark, the superiority, the inability to truly get along with his teammates, which he may actually have a superiority complex that like he accuses Laurel of. Um, this characterization owes quite a bit to the character of Vril Dox, who was portrayed in a similar way in the series Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N, uh, dated 89 through 94, and uh, was still, at this point, carrying the title of the follow-up series, Rebels, which was also written by Tom Pyre. Vril Dox was introduced during DC's company-wide crossover, Invasion, Uh, He was partly the brainchild of longtime Legion talent Keith Giffen, and he went on to found the interstellar peacekeeping organization LEGION, L-E-G-I-O-N. But he was not a typical good guy, he was a miserable SOB, ruthless in his purpose, and was pretty much willing to do anything to get what he wanted. Though usually what he wanted was to the benefit of the greater good. In fact, the story told in the Legion title was in a way the germ of the idea of the United Planets at least that's how it was being perceived through the lens of the five years later Legion of Superheroes run which was running contemporaneously Vril docks clashed greatly with Lar Gand during the short term of their association and this is nicely recalled here during the scene between the Docks and Gand descendants with the opportunity to start a new Brainiac 5 character. Tom Pyre must have seen what a perfect fit the Doc's superiority complex was for Brainiac's character. Brainiac 5, in in the Legion's earlier days, may have been a bit aloof, but was at the very least cordial with his teammates, and often he was very friendly. Not the case in the reboot, and uh, I think the the Doc's in him... Really suits Brainy. Anyway, in the lab, Brainy further discovers that the serum must be keyed to a being's individual genetic makeup. So his work on the serum must continue. In the meantime, Laura relates some of her background. She grew up in a white triangle settlement in some Daxamite wasteland, where she learned to draw pictures of herself punching out derlins. Uh, oh, look, even R2-D2 is there. Huh. It's funny, I'll put this panel up on the blog. It was there that she received her Legion draft notice. She remains under the impression that it was her family's name and social status that allowed her the opportunity to leave the Daxamite system and thereby gaining tremendous superpowers, though these powers came at a price. Brainiac completes her thought that the price was putting up with trash like himself. He finishes up work on the serum and tells Laurel he'll give it to her on one condition, that she admit he is superior. He goes back to his argument that only a Kaluan intellect could make her continued survival possible. Laurel, sweating and grimacing through unbearable pain, refuses and brainy, amateur psychologist alters the bargain a bit he tells her rather than claiming that he's superior he'll give her the serum if she can look him in the eye and tell him that he's inferior which of course she can't do either brainy hands over the serum and walks out the cocky boss that he is and he can't even hear laurel's sheepish apology meanwhile following up on kinetics advice to do something nice for laurel Violet delivers a bouquet of flowers to her quarters, which she finds in a complete state of disarray. Being the snoop, I mean, the helpful person that she is, Violet starts neatening up, but finds something high on a shelf which gives her pause and compels her on the last page of the issue to bring her findings to her teammates. In the Legion meeting room, as the gathered teens welcome back triad, Violet presents her what she found. A white triangle pendant, which leads them to think they've got a traitor in their midst. going to jump right into Legionnaires number 27 now, which is written by the team of Pyre and McCraw. Guest penciled by Mike Collins, inked by regular inker W.C. Karani. Lettered by Brousseau and colored by McCraw. The story is called Eyes of Hate, and it's wrapped in a nice package, a cover depicting... Ultra Boy getting pummeled by a trio of white trianglers. One of them looks a little bit too much like Invisible Kid with that headband and it's kind of always bothered me but it's an otherwise very nice drawing by the regular art team of Jeff Moy and W.C. Karani. story opens in deep space where a freighter is making its way toward the home stretch of a long journey. They approach a floating Stargate device which once active will shorten their trip considerably. These devices were dreamed up by R.J. Brand, the Legion's financier, and I'm guessing uh, these devices are one of the biggest sources of his great wealth. But they've also helped unify the United Planets, making travel between these distant worlds a breeze. Unfortunately for the crew of the freighter, the whole idea of the United Planets goes against everything the White Triangle believes in, so when a quartet of cult members flying through space These I guess would be fide Daxamite nuts When they see the ship proceed through the gate They use their vision powers to destroy the device Which cuts the ship in two <coughs> Half of it's here in space with them The other half floating at their Wherever their destination was Effectively killing everyone aboard Pleased with their efforts the gang decides to Try it again and again on all the Stargates. News of the quote-unquote malfunction gate make its way back to Earth and to RJ Brand. He orders all the gates shut down until they can discover the cause of the tragedy and demands a cruiser ready as he storms out of his office ready to take care of business. Whatever RJ plans to do, I really have no idea. Um, but he, when he leaves his office, he immediately runs into Livewire, a former legionnaire and recently quit member of the workforce. Garth has recommitted his time to finding his lost brother, and wants to ask Brand to borrow a ship. This is, of course, totally bad timing, and uh, Brand is forced to refuse. But he does suggest Garth check in with the hospitalized Imra. Saturn Girl's situation comes as a complete shock to Garth. In another part of the city, a publicly affectionate multi-species couple is flash-fried by a flying drone. Ugh, drones. And it's no surprise we see that this drone is piloted remotely by a White Triangle gang. Back at Legion HQ, Cosmopoy storms into Andromeda's quarters with the White Triangle necklace found by Violet demanding an explanation. Laurel refuses despite Cosmic Boy's offer to help her out of any situation she's found herself in. Until she's more forthcoming, Cosmic Boy orders her confined to quarters. And Laurel's response is to punch a hole in her wall. Cosmic Boy's only words to her are to fix the damage as he coolly walks out. That's the second instance now, this, this episode, where a teammate has strutted out on Laurel. And she deserved it both times. Laurel begins a video chat with her supervisor, I guess, back on Daxam, Durr, who is less than sympathetic to her plight. She claims she's being ganged up on by her teammates, but Obender interrupts with his disapproval of her dealings with the White Triangle. Obender himself is then interrupted on his end by the forceful arrival in person of a real jerk named Roxas who orders Obin out of the room. Roxas threatens Laura with the possibility of being recalled to Daxum and losing her powers. He calls her a weak and reveals his own association with the Triangle and how that organization was responsible for pulling the right political strings to get her in the Legion. In desperation she does not want to lose her superpowers. Laura offers Roxas information about her lead serum, She says she's immune to Earth's atmosphere and that maybe they can all be. This, Roxas finds very intriguing. At the EarthGov Metacenter, the Saturn girl is occupied with a video game and doesn't even notice her visiting friend's apparition, spark, and excess. They leave just as Livewire arrives. He witnesses Imra humming happily along, but... When something in the game doesn't go her way, she erupts in a frustrated outburst. She destroys her little console and cries, It's not fair. And all Garth can do is walk away, completely unnoticed. On a metropolis street, the three female legionnaires who just left the Meta Center are doing some window shopping. And we see they're looking in the window of a boutique called Forte Fashions, which a nice tribute to early 60s Legion artist John Fort. There are a couple other little Easter eggs in the shop window we see on display. Four recognizable outfits. One of them, particularly admired by Apparition, was a costume worn in the 70s and 80s by Phantom Girl, who was, of course, the previous version of Apparition. Shop also has an old shrinking violet outfit. And there's the <laughs> unmistakable white popped collar and chains of Tyrox costume and a purple frilly number that I'm not quite sure about maybe, I don't know, it seems like something worn maybe by Princess Projectra I'll put this panel up on the blog as well and maybe someone can uh, confirm the identity of that purple dress Anyway, Ultra Boy shows up kind of gets the cold shoulder from the girls but when he chases after apparition she gives in and gives them a big smooch. guess they're off again, on again. It's definitely on right now. This is bad timing, however, as the pair is approached by a familiar drone. Just before they're zapped, Ultra Boy manages to get them out of the way and uses his penetra vision to destroy the the thing. When the white triangulars lose their picture back wherever they're controlling the drone from. They don the ugly booster goldy type armor that we've seen before and arrive on the scene moving in to engage Ultra Boy and the Legionnaires. Legionnaires pretty much take care of business, however. The last thug is even taken out by the surprise arrival of Live Wire. Meanwhile, Cosmic Boy storms into UP headquarters with Legion advisor Marla Latham in tow. ...to demand of UP President Chu that Andromeda be removed from the team. Marla cautions Kaz to proceed with a cool head, but with the stakes as high as they are, and the safety of the team he leads, Kazengpoi uncharacteristically bursts into the President's office, only to have his plea anticipated and cut off at the knees. For standing with the President on the last page of the issue as she tells Kazengpoi it's not up for discussion... Andromeda stays in the Legion. Standing next to the president is a grinning Roxas. Now, Roxas is a name that's been associated with the Legion for a long time, and it's not a good association. I think I'm going to save my little Roxas info dump until next time, though, as I think it will fit better with the next issues. But as far as these issues go, I like how the plot has accelerated a bit. This white triangle business has been a nagging thorn in the side of the Legion since their very first appearance, so pretty much a solid year of build-up and it really is about to explode. It's unusual to have two simultaneous guest pencilers for these titles. I think Lee Motor is the most missed this time out. I don't think Jason Armstrong was quite there yet this early in his career. Uh, the Legion of Superheroes title especially in the early part of this run seems to attract a few young fill-in artists, which could have led to some real inconsistency, though as far as I'm concerned, the MVPs this month uh, in these particular issues are the inkers, Ron Boyd and W.C. Karani, who make sure that at least some level of artistic quality and consistency is maintained. I'm going to wind this episode down now, though I'll say I'm really looking forward to the next two episodes, which will wrap up the first year of the Reboot Legion's existence. In the meantime, the uh, tweet I used to promote last episode got some unexpected attention, thanks in no small part to being seen and retweeted by Ms. Colleen Doran, one of my very favorite comic artists who's done some beautiful, beautiful Legion work. So thanks in part to her. We got some retweets from Andrew Turnbull, Martin Gray, Paul Balza, Kalamuniti, and Adam Rakunis. And that tweet got some likes from Matthew Barton, Tard Ramsey, Martin Gray is that name again, David Golding, Snowflake, the one in Owen Lee, Monkey of the Jungle, Rio Scott, Gray Hall, Robert A. Range, Life Lass herself, Kalamuniti, Koimitsi, gale and Pancho. So I appreciate, appreciate all of those. If you have anything to say about this episode, rants, raves, whatever, you can email me at I'm the gun, at Gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter where I tweet as at Marksweeney Jr. You can leave a comment on the blog imthegun.blogspot.com where you'll find images from the issues I covered this time out and where you'll also find all previous episodes of I'm the Gun including the Reboot Review and Shanna Showcase which is devoted to Marvel Comics' Shanna the She-Devil. I'm on iTunes as well, so search there for I'm the Gun or follow the link on the blog. All right, we're probably about a fortnight away from the next Reboot Review. So until then, L-O-L. Lunan Legion.